Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Wednesday, the 16th of November. First up, Elon Musk just sent Savage email to Twitter staff with a huge ultimatum. Agree or be fired. Uh, Elon Musk, remember when I said, remember, 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 remember when I said that Elon was going to uh, try and reduce the size of the company by many thousands more, but he was going to do it in a different way. Well, that just happened, and it happened a lot quicker than I expected. I mean, I thought it would be this year yet, but it's been like two weeks. He uh, sent an ultimatum email last night that essentially could have everyone in the company quit. It's possible. Uh, Forcing them essentially to agree to working hardcore hours uh, forever. (laughs) And... This is what I expected out of him. He probably believes that it would take less than a thousand people to run Twitter. And he's probably right, honestly. And the fact that they were at 7,500 plus 4,000 contractors, the fact that they were at 11,000 employees and now they've cut 3,000 of the contractors and 4,000 of the internal employees, that's 7,000 people less working at Twitter. And I cannot honestly tell you if the experience is any different whatsoever at all to me. It just doesn't seem like it's that different. And last night he sent yet another email that uh, is, I'm assuming designed to weed out more people, weed out more weak people. Elon Musk gives Twitter staff an ultimatum, work long hours at high intensity or leave. Staffers have a deadline of today, or a Thursday deadline, to agree or be fired. New Twitter Inc. boss Elon Musk told employees in an email that they must decide whether they want to stay and work long hours at high intensity or take a severance package. An ultimatum comes after he already laid off roughly half of the social media company's workforce earlier this month. I mean, he's at an immense advantage right now. Unless everybody working at Twitter is like, you know, absolutely banking cash. At some point, people are going to have to say, I need this job. There's, we've seen like a handful of these like entitled brats go on Twitter and say, oh, ha, 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 I don't care. I quit my job. And they're probably fine financially. And that's cool. Like you can quit your job. It's not that big a deal. I, I mean, if my company was bought by somebody I absolutely hated to my core, I'd probably find some other job too. I'd probably find another job first before I loud quit on Twitter by trying to stick it to my boss. Um, but also, I'm not a complete moron like some of these people. Um, but you know, Elon absolutely uh, wants to get rid of at least, I'm guessing, at least another one to 2,000 employees. I just, I believe that strongly. I believe he's pushing hard to make it profitable uh, in this quickly as quick amount of time as possible. And he also needs to weed out the dissent. You know, a lot of people were talking about, um, you know, are talking about like, oh, you know, he's, he's firing people for making fun of him. And that's not, ant- that's not very free speechy of him. That's fair to say. Uh, however, he is firing people who are toxic coworkers. You can't have these people, um, you know, who, who hates you and will undermine you and stuff like that on your team, especially when it's a small, lean, mean, um, and uh, intense team. You just can't. 
So when these people are willing to publicly dissent against you, uh, I, I think it's just better that they work for a different company. I don't think that anybody w agrees that you shouldn't be able to, you know, rag on your boss. That's that's like the American way. But uh, you can't do it while you're work on his platform while you're working for the guy. So uh, he wrote, going forward, we will build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world. Oh, I was going to mention the, the, the people, you know, Amazon just laid off 10,000 people. I, I'm not sure what part of their company is, but Stripe's laid off people. Patreon's laid off people. Facebook laid off 11,000 people. There has been a massive layoff. Uh, Par I think it was Paramount just laid off people today. So it's like maybe at some point you start looking around and you go, mm, maybe I want to keep this job. Going forward, we'll build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world. We will need to be extremely hardcore, Mr. Musk wrote in an email overnight. This means working long hours at high intensity. Only exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. The email comes after Mr. Musk sent employees a memo seen by the journal that warned of dire economic challenges facing the company in which he said bankruptcy is a real possibility. Also last week, the company's first all-hands meeting since Mr. Musk's late October takeover, the billionaire talked about ending remote work for most Twitter employees saying they need to come into the office if they were able. Well, I mean, ultimately, that's what he wants. That's what he, that's what he needs. Uh, he needs to uh, get the hardcore people who can get things done. Uh, what's happening is he walked in and what, it, what, what appears to be he walked into what appears to be an adult daycare, a place that was spending $400, uh, you know, $400 per meal. Uh, they were giving their employees free wine and free boba teas or whatever they were called or, you know, and like letting everybody sit at home. That's why Twitter got stagnant. It's not that people who, you know, work from home are inherently less productive. In fact, People, there are studies that show people work longer and harder when they work from home because they don't get away from their desk. Uh, but when you combine that with the daycare mentality that so many of these Silicon Valley companies have, it's a recipe for disaster. The actual letter, for example, is brutal. So here is, I want to see the letter. I have the letter somewhere. Where is it? Where are you, letter? Okay, here it is. And again, I cannot, I cannot emphasize enough that Twitter has fired 7,000 of their 11,000 employees and everything seems totally fine. Here's the letter as posted by The Street. A fork in the road. Going forward to build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed. In an increasingly competitive world, we will need to be ext extremely hardcore. This means working long hours at high intensity, only exceptional performance will constitute passing grade. Twitter will also be much more engineering driven. Design and product management will still be very important and report to me, but those writing great code will constitute the majority of our team and have the greatest sway at its heart. Twitter is software, is a software and servers company. So I think this makes sense. I mean, he's right. So what he's saying here now is essentially like, um, essentially all this fluff, 
you know, all the ethics community, the ethics department and, and this and that, and all this stuff, you're gone. I don't need you. We sell software and servers essentially. Well, that's our product. Then what's funny is it goes, if you want, if you are sure that you want to be a part of new Twitter, please click yes in the link below. Like you literally have to click a form and say, yes, I'd like to not get fired, please. Below that, it writes, anyone who has not done so by 5 p.m. tomorrow will receive three months severance. Whichever decision you make, thank you for your efforts to make Twitter successful, Elon. Yikes. I mean, he has stuff though, you know, like, of course, engineering is important, but for social media slash ad platform like Twitter, which is under stringent legal pressures, international user safety, legal compliance and content moderation and advertising are actually key for the platform to legally and financially work. Uh, and then say, yep, Twitter challenges are not engineering ones. As a product person, if I saw this I'd and I'd know I wouldn't be supported, I'd show myself the door. Sure you would. Sure you would. Again, three months severance is pretty good. Uh, but what I'm saying is also that this is all by design. This is Elon Musk saying, okay, if I missed you on the first cut, now it's time to really clean house. Now I really want to uh, get the down to the core top 10, 20%. Now I do agree with some of these comments. Like I don't necessarily think that Twitter is only engineering. He, they, they need to sell ads, obviously. Um, they need to make sure that they are doing whatever's legally required in terms of moderation. Although the old Twitter didn't really do that very well. Uh, they need, you know, they need lawyers. They need, um, you know, translators. They need, there's a lot of people that work at Twitter that probably still need to work at Twitter. I'm not sure I would love seeing like as a non coder seeing like, uh, you know, all I care about is code, but He's probably not wrong. There are, there's a lot of bureaucracy in running the software that Elon may be overlooking right now. Um, but what I really think, this is him trimming fat and so he can really get down to a lean, nimble team. And then he can make some announcements about, you know, oh, Twitter's profitable now uh, and then save the Tesla stock. You know, this has been an albatross on the neck of, Twitter, which was down three points today or 3% today again, uh, because people who are invested in Tesla are worried. Now, he said today that he's going to find somebody else to lead the company, which, you know, obviously that makes sense. He can't be there uh, forever, but I'm sure that he's, you know, he just spent 50 billion with the B dollars. Probably going to want to, you know, stay there for a little while and get and right the ship. And next up, Donald Trump announces presidential run and Hollywood has a meltdown. I'm not sure anyone was very surprised by the announcement last night, which is why it wasn't necessarily the very first video I did today because, well, everyone basically knew Trump was going to announce that he's going to run for president in 2024. We don't know <clears throat> who may oppose him in the Republican Party. He may have a primary uh, with Ron DeSantis, which would be very interesting. Um, and, uh, the impending meltdown, I wanted to let it percolate a little bit. And 
the usual suspects are having absolute uh, fits on Twitter. Elijah Wood, uh, <laughs> Bette Midler, uh, all the all the all the usual suspects. And all I can really say about it is job security. You know, uh, two years of Trump running for president seems pretty good for the meme economy. Seems pretty good for the meltdown. Uh, uh, community. And that is a good part of my content. Now, uh, before we get into uh, all the hilarity, well, in case you didn't notice, there was a theme in the last probably two weeks running up to uh, the impending Trump announcement of basically everybody in the mainstream media, which you could have expected, um, at least from the left-leaning media, um, you know, the Voxes, the the Rolling Stones, this this kind of thing, CNN. But uh, what maybe everyone didn't see coming was uh, basically the widespread abandonment uh, of Trump by a lot of right-leaning publications and politicians with the whole, oh, it's time to move on. Everyone kind of echoing this, this same kind of regurgitated party line. Uh, and... It was a little weird to see. It's like uh, people forget the guy got 75 million votes not that long ago. Uh, and that was at the height of lockdowns and things of that nature. Now, there, you know, this video isn't to really, I don't really know how I feel about it. I'm conflicted. You know, I voted for him in 2020. If he wins a primary and is the Republican candidate, I will most likely vote for him in 2024. I can't, I'm not ready to say, I'm ready not not ready to commit. I'd like to see, you know, some more specifics. I thought his speech last night, a lot of people called it low energy. That may have been, I don't know. I thought it was measured. I thought it was, you know, kind of purposeful. Um, he kind of avoided talking about some some of the, the more crazy stuff. He also made some interesting things about <clears throat> locking up drug dealers and things of that nature, um, you know. If he's talking about Pfizer and all the people behind the uh, opioid epidemic in this country, I'm 100% for that. Um, but, you know, you see the Atlantic Trump's running and Republicans only have themselves to blame. There's no coward's way out of the dilemma facing the GOP. Nobody's happier about Donald Trump running than the Democrats. Um, quite frankly, I'm going to have to see how things shake out. I'm not ready to make any kind of prediction. I think, you know, my initial gut says, I think Ron DeSantis would have had a easier path to the presidency, but I don't know that for sure. And, you know, admittedly, I don't know much about Ron DeSantis's global policies and the things that he would have to commit to as um, a president. Plus, he also has one term left as governor uh, in Florida, so maybe he won't even run. Maybe it won't even be a thing. Maybe he's not going to run and... You know, everyone's going to either have to get on the Trump train or move on. That's, that's, you know, DeSantis is pretty young. He could sit this one out, be a governor, uh, and then run in 2028. 20, he could. Um, or he could run and we could have a, a knockdown dragout slugfest uh, that would benefit the Republicans or the Democrats, I think. But of course, Hollywood has been saved by this. This is a, what's bittersweet about it. I mean, the memes are great. But that just means we're going to get, you know, by Trump running, he has single-handedly saved CNN. I don't know if you've been watching, but CNN is circling the drain. And maybe it won't even be enough. 
honestly, maybe it won't even be enough to save CNN. Certainly, late night, you know, people like Jimmy Kimmel and the unfunny, boring uh, SNL, will they be saved by a Trump run-up? Well, if he wins, that would be six years, including the, the campaign trail and the presidency. That would probably sustain them, at least for the short term. But I actually don't know. Like, I don't know if, like, could you take another six years of the same tired old orange man bad jokes? Are those even funny anymore? You know, Trump is going to be an old man. He is old. He's spry. He's, he's, you know, he's like a very different old than Joe Biden. Uh, and I do think that Joe Biden is ruining this country. Um, just to be complete, you know, it's rare that I'm, I'm dropped like a, a hard political take, but I think Joe Biden is probably this, maybe the worst president of my lifetime. Um, Bush Jr. was probably the, the worst before that. Um, and Joe Biden is just an embarrassment. And so I feel like, dang, man, you know, I really want to make sure he gets voted out of office, but it, maybe Trump can pull it off. He's got a lot to atone for. I think he's made some mistakes while he was president that he could address in the run-up in the in the um in his media tours and all this stuff, his debates and things like that. He's got to clear up some stuff. Um, the people that felt abandoned by him, in particular, the people that uh, from J six stuff like that, Section two thirty. You know, these are things that he has to kind of address, in my opinion. But he's got two years to do it, so there's no reason why he couldn't. Of course, you have Jimmy Kimmel talking about it. You know, the popular vote only matters when it's, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't mention anything about the popular vote in the midterms, did they? Which the Republicans won. Um, but of course, you know, strategically, there are a lot of states that a lot he could learn from, by the way, in his losses. I talked about this a lot in that I still believe the greatest strategic mistake he had of the presidency of his, of his reelection campaign was telling people to stay home and not use mail-in ballots. Um, I know you have opinions about them, but if Democrats are going to use them, then you better use them too. And you better mail in so many of them. He should have told his base, which is the most ravenous base, period, the most supportive base, period. I want you to go to your grandma's house, your uncle's house, your aunt's house, and I want you to show up there and I want you to help them fill out their ballot because that's what the Democrats did, right? Trump said, no, 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 show up on election day, which fine, but also, you know, he got beat because of that. He got beat because, you know, there's a lot of ballots that were in the mail and it opened up to a lot of questions and things of that nature. Um, you see right-wing media's coverage of Trump's presidential bid shows it just can't turn away. The Guardian. I mean, what I, I don't really see. Have you seen really any article from right-wing media that is positive about Trump running? I haven't. The best thing you can maybe point to is a few that are like, okay, Trump's running. Here's what he said. You know, and, and there's a lot of people, you know, on the right in politics that are openly, you know, you know, that are supportive of him, but there are also some that are never Trumpers. Republican lawmakers danced around the question, asked whether or not if they would support Donald Trump, who announced Tuesday that he was running again for president. Quote, I think you've got a lot of other people announcing their candidacy as well. We've got a deep bench, Senator Todd Young said. It's a really good thing. Florida Congressman Matt Gates, a Republican who is at who is a Trump ally, says 
for focus on the election and the Georgia this this election and the Georgia election. That's a reference to the runoff. You know, Trump's record of endorsements in, in recently concluded midterms have been mixed. I mean, I think they're overly overwhelmingly positive, uh, but some of his, the picks that were most closely tied to him, like Carrie Lake, Herschel Walker, and um, or Carrie Lake and Dr. Oz, most kind of famously. Uh, fizzled out, but you know, no one talks about the ones that he endorsed that one, which were there, there were many, um, you know, not all Republicans left the former president out to dry. Carrie Lake, a Trump loyalist who ran unsuccessfully for governor in Arizona said over Twitter that the president has her complete and total endorsement. Well, that's probably cause she's, uh, vying for a VP. You know, I don't know if she'd be the perfect VP pick because She's just a lady Trump. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you need that evangelical, you know, the, you need, Trump needs that guy like, like Pence who won't abandon him though. I mean, you saw Pence coming out and, you know, speaking out against him. Then you get the Hollywood meltdown. Uh, Bette Midler. Can, can, you know, you see, uh, it's official. The new name for the campaign is Mega. Gah. Congratulations. Uh, he just handed us two more years of his hashtag delusions, hashtag drivel. I don't think she knows how to use hashtags. Hashtag unbearable. Excuse me, I'm going to be sick. That's Trump to you. He's giving the same speech he gave in 2016. After two years of lockdowns, a million American lives lost. The rest of us have moved on. Um, You are tweeting endlessly. Uh, Piggy speaking. All this. She's tweeting endlessly about it. And then but maybe one of my, my favorite interactions is Elijah Wood. Y'all, we're not doing this again, right? We had four years that felt like a nightmare. And that was that, right? <laughs> Sticks, X, and Hammer. The last two years are the nightmare, LOL. This, this interaction here is absolute gold. Chance Robertson, uh, you know, because he, now you know Elijah always checks verified. I'm not sure who this individual is, but it's great. He writes... Unfortunately, it's only been two years, but yes, it does feel like four. Elijah Wood, not to, not what I was referring to. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Hollywood meltdown about Trump again almost makes it worth it. And next up today, New York Times destroyed for puff piece on Sam Bankman-Fried, the FTX CEO, Democrat donor, billionaire thief. Sam Bankman-Fried, the man behind the billion dollar collapse of not only one crypto exchange, FTX, but the cascading collapse of many others since. The man who was the Democrats' second largest donor, allegedly only behind George, uh, is currently relaxing in his mansion in the Bahamas, being very bad at playing League of Legends and giving hilarious interviews to the New York Times Interviews that are ridiculous puff pieces that don't even bother scratching the surface. Right now, I want to be very clear. I am questioning anybody who isn't covering this. Anybody. This is a man that funneled tens of millions of dollars into the Democrat Party, stole millions of dollars from people all around the world. Okay? This guy is playing League of Legends in a mansion right now. The fact that he wasn't immediately locked up was already suspect. And then now we have the New York Times writing fluff pieces about him. And it's like they can't read the room. Here's 
David Yaffe Bellany, a relative nobody who works for the New York Times covering crypto, right? I spoke to SBF for over an hour, over an hour. I asked, for those of you who don't know, or like, you're like, eh, whatever, crypto stuff, I don't care. Think like Bernie Madoff, think of like, um, this, they're, they're, the, the cascading effects of the billions lost here uh, are, are enormous. Look at it this way. Sam Bankman-Fried gave our Democrat Democrats tens of millions of dollars. Then our government gave Ukraine billions of dollars. Some of that they invested into Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto network. And then the circle of life continued. Possibly. I don't know. Sure, seems plausible. I spoke to SBF for over an hour. I asked about investigations, potential jail time, and missing customer funds. He didn't have satisfying answers, but it was a rare chance to see what he's thinking at an insane time. So here's a free link to read it in full. No. Let's look at some of the replies. Imagine being proud of this article. Here's Alex Kruger saying, disgraceful reporting by the New York Times on FTX. It portrays SBF as a charitable entrepreneur who went under and does not mention the words fraud, criminal, substance abuse, friends and family, Bahamas, KYC racket, hacks, stolen funds, or even wiped servers. You see, they finna drag you. Here's an excellent critique of your article. New York Times word uh, puff piece on SBF. Fraud, zero. Enron, zero. Crime, zero. Illiquid, zero. Stolen, zero. Hidden, zero. Criminal, zero. Backdoor, zero. He's getting sleep, one. David, this man committed significant crimes. He has ruined countless lives. Families completely destroyed of their because of their trust in him. It's a disservice to all those who are impacted, and it's disheartening to see all of this just skimmed over like it's a simple mistake. Here's another one. You have written, written multiple articles disparaging Coinbase over the past few months, and then you lob a few softball questions to the biggest fraud since Enron and call it a day? Fair question. Because, quote, he didn't have satisfying answers, you chose to reward his evasiveness by not mentioning that he intentionally gave you unsatisfactory or evasive answers regarding fraud, theft, and jail? You're really going with this approach. His victims and the truth deserve so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. The quote, tweet, the quote tweets are, are just, as, just as brutal. Just as brutal. I mean, are, are you aware, like, are you work for the New York Times and you're like, this is like a, a fluff piece, no big deal. What an absolute coward you see here. Like, interesting. And let's look at other articles David Yaffe Bellany has written. This is what I'm talking about, friends. This you went to the Bahamas to follow Sam Bankman-Fried, one of the most powerful people in crypto. He's trying to write the rules of the industry as risks growing increasingly stark. Come on for the important stuff and stay for the crypto-themed rubbers. He's his friend. He's bought. Disgraced crypto CEO Caroline Ellison tweeted about regular uh, amphetamine use. Nothing like regular amphetamine use to make you appreciate how dumb a lot of normal, non-medicated human experience is. Oh, so she's all hooked up on Addies, right? 
I, I just don't even understand how in the hell you see um, uh, Melterm Demoirs. I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing that. Um, only the New York Times would write a breathless love letter to a man who committed financial crime to the tune of billions of dollars without a shred of remorse or awareness. I mean, here's Ryan Wyatt. Unbelievable. This is a huge misstep. Everybody that's connected to this guy. Oh, no, by the way, have you noticed all the agencies that uh, that used to have FTX is linked on their website? They're gone. And oh, by the way, here's... And by the way, the crypto community is all over this. I'm just trying to like kind of centralize this information. Here's another thing that it appears this guy is doing right now. And things he couldn't do if he was in custody, obviously, but... Why is SBF, SBF FTX deleting tweets and tweeting to offset his total tweet count? Well, it's because he figured out a way that if he would send a new tweet and delete an old tweet simultaneously, that the all the trackers for his Twitter account would miss it. You see, De, Deor says, Dior says, okay, this is a theory. I'm not sure total tweet count changes when you unretweet someone's tweet. So he might not be deleting tweets, but also could be unretweeting them. None of this is confirmed. You see a lot of here. Looks like SBF has not been deleting tweets. The reduction in tweet count has come from other accounts deleting tweet, mostly related to FTX SBF. Interesting. A lot of Tom Brady deleting tweets. A lot of everyone's covering their tracks, right? Tom Brady uh, uh, sold this service. This is why I don't even like... When I promote, I had, I think one time ever I did an ad for some sort of crypto thing before I, before I realized that I knew almost nothing about it. And I was like, I'm never doing crypto ads again. Um, maybe if it was for like uh cold storage wallets or something, I don't know, something like that I might do, but you get what I'm saying. Like you see missing tweet, you've got uh, retweets and stuff from Matt Iglesias, Tom Brady, uh, you know, you got a lot of Tom Brady tweets week three at home. These people are coming retweeting FTX official FTS adventures. You know, there's a lot of people, interesting people, Tom Brady tired of saying my golf videos are fake. This stuff is easy. Like FTX official or beating Patrick Mahomes when it matters. Now, a lot of these people just took money to promote a thing. I understand that this is the, this is like the, this is like the, the name of the game, but I feel like I would feel so bad. I would have had a video out or something like apologizing for misleading everybody. Here's Shapiro. SBF was hand in glove with every major Democrat and all the major crypto regulators. They're all planning on moving forward with his proposed legislation, even after it's clear that he was a massive scam artist. Yet capitalism will be blamed rather than corporatism, of course. More government oversight is the answer, cried all the people elected with SBF's cash, your cash, by the way. The story of SBF isn't just Fire Festival documentary. It's about his blue washing massive donations to Democrats, associations with the World Economic Forum, push for stakeholder capitalism in order to draw regulations that benefited him and to create associations that protected him. Red flag if they do a tech conference with Bill Clinton, if they wear gym shorts at public tech events, if they donate tens of millions of dollars to Democrats, if they live in a polycule with other co-executives, if they have an amazing ESG rating, if the WES 
loves them. WEF. You see, like, the New York Times getting absolutely dragged. Viva Frey says, you used the word donate one time. Didn't mention Democrats even once. Or the quantum donated nearly $70 million. Or his family funneling $140 million to the Democrats through, quote, mind the gap. This is not journalism. It's Goebbels-level propaganda, courtesy of the New York Times. Shout out to Viva Frey. Really good tweet, bud. I'm going to share that. I mean... You see, Noam Blum, right? The New York Times gave people the mistaken impression that they can get away with this behavior at work. Oh, that's a different type of tweet. <laughs> I mean, I don't even understand why you see even Elon Musk says. Here's Trun Fon writing must be a crypto guy, I'm assuming. Word count for New York. He's puff. Why the puff piece, New York Times? Elon writes, Sam is still scheduled to speak at a big conference in two weeks. New York Mayor Adams, Sam Bankman-Fried, Shu Chu of TikTok, Larry Fink, Chairman, BlackRock, Reed Hastings, uh, CEO and co-founder of Netflix. I mean, are you kidding me? And look at Elon points. It's like, if you get enough money, you just, the same people are always were, are always in the same circles, isn't it? Unusual Wales is a, a good account to follow, by the way. Uh, the New York Times just put out a piece on Sam Bankman-Fried. The entire piece is 2,218 words. There's no mention of FTX using customer funds. Alameda trading on tokens before listings. The fact that millions of traders were wiped out. Any form of possible fraud. Here's a different story. It discusses how FTX is facing com criminal uh, and misconduct probe by the Bahamas authorities, along with the SEC and the Department of Justice. Note, our Mac of the New York Times has noted that customer funds have been mentioned. In fact, customers comes up a whole two times. Are you kidding me? Why, why is this guy in jail right now? Ask yourself th that question. Keep it locked in here. I'll continue to cover it uh, each and every day. Uh, I apologize for my lameness on crypto in general. That's why I'm trying to stick to <laughs> the... <laughs> what it seems to be some serious questions that need answering on the periphery of this. And next up, woke G4 TV interview questions revealed, anti-white male mandates, and so much more. Frosk loved it. Wow. Uh, well, now we know exactly why the network failed. Uh, the people running it were woke idiots. I I'm not even sure what the... what. Okay, again, this is talent from G4 TV talking about how she was asked in the interview, hey, so which, which superhero would you cancel? And why is it Batman? Because he's a white cis male. This is who is doing the hiring for G4 TV. Absolutely appalling. Now, this is, this is basically a pretty big bombshell. G4 TV interview process involved questions about canceling Batman. Like, and by the way, the canceling part of it, this is like the, like they're talking about like the social justice canceling form. In the wake of the cancellation, the other form and closure of the reboot of G4 TV by Comcast, more details about the short-lived network have been trickling out. This is via clownfishtv.com, uh, written by 
Jake James Lugo. Um, but what's even more about you? Or I'm sorry, but was even more about G4 TV prior to the network's relaunch, plagued by other factors unrelated to what was seen in their content. Details about what it was like to interview for a job at G4 TV may have given more troubling answers. During the Spawncast after show posted to the YouTube channel for RGT 85, the channel being RGT live and extra content creator, Miss Click openly talked about her experience going through the interview process for G4 TV. The discussion during the live show first started with chatter about the late actor, Kevin Conroy and his contribution to the voice of Batman. This was interrupted by Miss Click asking if it was okay to discuss something related now uh, related now that the G4 TV, G4 TV was no longer around. During the show, Miss Click went on to talk about what she meant. Quote, I was already sus of the G4 TV during the interview process. They offered me a host position where you have to relocate out to LA. So I go through the interview process and the guy that was interviewing me goes, so why should we cancel Batman? Why should we, why do you believe we should cancel Batman? So it wasn't even like, you know, should Batman's be canceled? Batman being canceled was a fact. And I was like, why are we canceling Batman? And he's like, because he's rich and white. Because people believe that he just skates on the law and that if someone of color did the same thing, they wouldn't get away with it. What about Miles Morales? Anyway, um, as Miss Click went on uh, to detail more about her experience, both the other hosts of the show and the audience in chat were confused and shocked at the revelation. Host RGT85 went on to ask, that's a real question they asked you, to which Miss Click replied immediately after with, that's literally what the G4 recruiter asked me and whoever their manager was or whatever their interviewers were doing. During the rest of the show, Miss Click and the rest of the host response to questions and comments from the audience to react to the story. Many of them were very shocked to hear her story. She goes on to talk about her thoughts on the matter. I think one of the reasons, I think this is one of the reasons why they didn't pursue me to the next level. To be honest, if I was getting robbed in Arkham or something, I wouldn't really care who's saving me. I wouldn't care if he's rich and white. I would just care that he's actually saving people. Yes, see, this is the thing. Miss Click is correct. That is the correct opinion, uh, regardless of how or what you know people may want to gaslight. No, no, that you are, Miss Click has the correct opinion here. Now, I don't know who this woman is, um, but you know, it sounds like she's get better off for not, uh, for not going to work for the show. Another point brought up during her story was the question about what other superhero Miss Click would cancel. She detailed how awkward the question was and uh, about it were, and described how she had to give an answer to the interviewer, which ended up being the Punisher. Some of the other hosts of the show suggested that the interviewer was probably looking for an answer like Spider-Man since the web-slinger has worked alongside the NYPD and Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. <laughs> Very true. While that is unrelated speculation, what was understood among the hosts was the audience and the audience watching was how awkward and uncomfortable the questions were. The rest of the show went on to continue discussing the rest of the main topics the group had with the occasional reference to the Miss Click story. She finished her story with an extra thought to the audience, quote, Honestly, G4 has been dead since the interview process. G4 was scrapped before it ever began. That's my opinion on it. Everyone who got a job at G4 had to answer that question. And I wonder 
who they picked. I wonder what their answer was to get the job. Those questions the interviewer literally said, these are the questions we ask all of our interviewees. I hung up from the interview saying to myself, this was a waste of time. Yikes. Uh, great, great reporting, G4TV and um, RGT85, uh, you know, for hosting that great conversation. It's, it's uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked or surprised, I suppose you would say. I'm not, I'm not surprised in the slightest bit. This is exactly the type of questions. I'm, I guess I'm only surprised that they're like <laughs> just saying it right out in front, like just right out in front of everyone saying, oh yeah, you have to be a social justice warrior to work here. And so which one of these people would you cancel? And why is it Batman? Because he's rich and white. Like they, I don't, I don't believe for a second this woman made that up. There's no way because like that, that was, that's just not something, it's just too specific and too hilarious, uh, hilariously on brand, uh, for this to, to not be true. You see this article in GamesBeat, learning from G4s and Ven's deaths, TV on Twitch doesn't work. Money. In a leaked statement to G4 TV staff, Dave Scott, chairman and CEO of Comcast Spectator, admitted that G4 TV's viewership is low and the network had not achieved sustainable financial results. The overhead to run a traditional TV network, the stages, production teams, talent, sales, and support staff is monumental. Venn burned through $40 million in just 18 months attempting this. These mounting costs probably pushed executives to search for better ways to monetize their product. Both Venn and G4TV chose to sign deals with pay TV distribution companies like Roku and DistroTV and Verizon Fios and things of that nature to accomplish this. However, those deals created a host of problems, namely ad breaks. While Twitch has recently pushed for consumers to run more ads, Twitch viewers have often complain that the commercials ruin, commercials ruin the experience. After all, Twitch has acclimated their user base to only seeing pre-roll ads for years. When Ven and G4TV tried to run traditional eight-minute-per-hour ad breaks on their platform like Twitch, they lost viewers. Both networks tried to appeal to the new generation of viewer with linear TV format presented on a streaming platform it was not designed for. Over the last 90 days, G4TV averaged just 2,000 viewers on Twitch. Firmly placing the company in the top 1% of broadcasters, but compared to the thousands of viewers Nielsen reports for TV networks, this looks like peanuts to executives. However, this could be a failure of a larger trend. Even studio style shows presented on TV are losing their audiences. Of course, it failed to find its fan base. Well, mostly because the fans they were looking for appeared to be uh, exclusively social justice warriors. I, I don't really know, you know, what else, what, uh, uh, who else were they looking for? You know, lunatics exclusively? I'm not exactly sure how else to, to kind of, to, to see this. Like, they're literally looking for ideologues. You saw it from their interview process. I, and, and, um, if Miss Click ever wants to come on my channel and discuss and more in depth, I would absolutely love to get the scoop from her. And next up today, Elon Musk wants out as Twitter CEO after major restructure. Who will replace him? Well, 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 some interesting news came out of, well, an unrelated appearance, a trial really for Elon Musk. 
over his compensation package at Twitter. I, this must be something that happens when you are a publicly traded company. I don't know. I mean, he's the owner. I don't know why he can't pay himself whatever he wants, but you know, a smart owner wouldn't overpay themselves because the company needs money and all this type of uh, whatnot, but that's above my pay grade. But he did make some stunning admitment, uh, admissions during the trial that I think is, you know, isn't that unreasonable. He wants out uh, as CEO of Twitter. He doesn't want to be the CEO of Twitter. Um, and, I, and I think that I'm really not surprised by that. Uh, I would think that, you know, he's got Tesla, he's got SpaceX, he's got Starlink, still waiting for my additional Starlink dish. It's been like two months. Come on, Elon. Um, but he's got other stuff to do. And of course, the media is reporting it as some big, you know, some big story. He's also uh, rocking the um, proverbial boat right now in a letter that uh, is essentially a sink or swim type email that he sent or memo to the remaining 3,700 employees at Twitter saying, you know, look, unless you're willing to give 110%, just quit now. He's practically begging these people to quit because, well, most of them suck. But in this uh, new article... Elon Musk defends his, t- his title as techno king of Tesla, but not Twitter CEO. In testimony at trial, challenging his giant compensa- compensation package at Tesla, Musk said he does not want to be the CEO of any company and would eventually also appoint a new chief executive at Twitter. Now, who could that be? You know, th- he has some, some kind of high power friends, but he also. Most of them are pretty busy doing other things. I'm not sure that I would want to be the CEO of Twitter. I suppose if the compensation package is anywhere near what he makes at Tesla, it would probably be okay. But um, I think that the reality was always going to be that Elon was going to come in, make massive changes, change the company culture, which is what a leader does. They define reality. They, they're in charge of the company culture. The company culture at Twitter was clearly one of being super duper lazy, um, coasting by in an adult daycare. I mean, I have I have repeatedly said in these videos, if anybody, and I know they're watching them, if any of the 7,000 people that work at Twitter want to reach out to me and refute the fact that uh, people were working very few hours there uh, and, and um, taking advantage of adult daycare facilities, feel free to email me, thequartering at gmail. You feel, you know, feel free. I assume somebody was there working, but I remember seeing, was it a PV video, like an undercover video where somebody said they worked like six hours a week or something like that. I mean, there were a lot of people suckling at the Twitter teat, so to speak, that weren't working very hard. And Elon knew that. I mean, just think of the drastic changes he's made. 3000 contract workers fired 3,700 salaried workers fired. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you're talking, what, what the, the finance, the finances of that, but you know, this is a company that was losing $4 million a day. Uh, and you know, there are some people who write these articles that say, oh, well, uh, he's going to be, um, or, you know, the, oh, the advertisers are backing out and this and that. And I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't, I think that Twitter has such immense potential whether it's monetizing videos, 
or it's, you know, being, you know, going after TikTok, especially if TikTok were to get banned by the FTC, um, there are so many opportunities for Twitter to be more than what it is, which is simply a microblogging site. And it's been that way for a zillion years. Uh, he claimed a testimony at trial on Wednesday, challenging his giant compensation package at Tesla. Musk, who's the CEO of multiple companies, including most recently Twitter, was answering questions from lawyers representing Tesla when he made the offhand comment, I frankly do not want to be the CEO of any company, he said. The trial, which kicked off Monday, is focused on whether the Tesla board acted appropriately when it approved a pay package for Musk that is now worth about $52 billion at recent share prices and whether Musk had any undue influence over that decision. But Musk's testimony also stretched into topics, uh, including his titles, how he spends his time, and most importantly, whether or not he was drunk when he crowned himself techno king of Tesla back in 2021. He said he was sober, but his lit lilt suggests otherwise. I don't really know. He said, were you stone cold sober when you came up with the title of techno king for yourself, correct? Yes. Elon responds skeptically, LOL. Oh, okay. So, he <laughs> oh, that's funny. He explains why he shafts at the title of CEO at his various companies, noting that he does not view his role as a traditional CEO. At SpaceX, it really is that I'm responsible for the engineering of the rockets. Tesla for the technology and the car that made success successfully said. So CEO is often viewed as somewhat of a business-focused role, but in reality, my role is much more of an engineer developing technology and making sure that we develop breakthrough technology, technologies that have a team of incredible engineers who can achieve those goals. He also reiterated that he does not intend on staying CEO of Twitter forever. Musk took over the company two weeks ago, and since then, he's laid off half the staff, launched and retracted multiple new product ideas, really just the one, and overseen the retreat of several established advertisers. And again, they'll be back. If there's customers, potential customers, they'll be back. Asked how he spent his time in 2017 while the pay package was coming together, Musk said he was splitting his time between Tesla and SpaceX with less time spent in his tunneling and brain chip ventures. Though at the end of the year, he spent almost all of his time at Tesla, which was in the middle of so-called production hell of the Model 3. Investors have expressed concern over Musk's ability to multitask and whether the billionaire is taking too, on too much to legitimately run as many companies as he does. Musk testified that he spends the majority of his time wherever the crisis is. That does not say that Musk isn't thinking about the distant future as well. Asked about the Tesla Roadster that is currently traveling through space, Musk called it an art piece that will last millions of years. On top of that, it is also reported, this by Sawyer uh, Merritt, uh, Elon Musk says he expects the organizational restructuring of Twitter to be done this week. That's actually a big deal. If you look at what we know about uh, this letter he sent his employees, for example, uh, saying like, look, work a million hours or get out. I think this is his final cut. I think that he'll spend probably as many uh, you can see this person as a new CEO. Rahul Ligma will be the uh, CEO. Um, maybe. I mean, it's possible that he that he's gone now. I mean, this after this morning, according to Zoe Schiffer, Elon Musk sent Twitter staff an email with the subject line, a fork in the road. He said, you know, to build a breakthrough Twitter, you know, you need to work. Um, Elon Musk asked Twitter employees 
who agreed to click yes on a form in the email. Those who don't by 5 p.m. Thursday will be fired with three months severance. Red, your working environment is only to get more toxic and unreasonable. Those of you who are not yet in contact with recruitment agents should expedite that as a matter of urgency. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I suppose that, you know, everyone thinks there's going to be mass walkouts. You know, translation, I want you to work 80 hours weeks while only being paid for 40. I don't know if that's the case. You know, I, I, I don't know or think that it really has anything to do um, with compensation. I think it has to do with output. And then, of course, Vox, when they're not busy taking money from that uh, freed guy, said, Elon Musk can't take a joke. The Twitter CEO has repeatedly contradicted his own free speech values. Again, this is not a free speech issue. Like, the media is so stupid. Um, it, it's either it's this dumb or obtuse, or, like, they literally uh, don't understand. Like, they've had no consequences in their life, so they say things like this. Like, well, what about my free speech? Like, bro, it has nothing to do with free speech. Firing employees who criticize his leadership. I also read yesterday that he had people kind of combing through Slack. This is him looking for people who won't, who, who will be a problem down the line. If you're in Slack and you're talking junk about your boss, he wants you out. Like, I 110% understand why he wants that, why he feels that way. Uh, and, you know, ultimately long-term, he clearly wants the entire culture to change, you know, the entire culture of Twitter. And I still think that he believes that, uh, you know, people that, that, that I think he strongly believes that, uh, Twitter needs, you know, a thousand employees. I, I, I strongly believe that he thinks that, you know, he needs, and I don't know how many they need. I, I believe that when he laid off half of the people, that was just the first cut. That was the hard layoff. Now it's the soft layoff where you make things extremely difficult on people to have them self-leave. And honestly, the fact that he's giving, offering them three-month severance is pretty nice. you know. And of course, they're whining about his union busting at Tesla and stuff like that. The, the media doesn't like him. He's like Trump, but now he bought Twitter. So now he will always have a megaphone to uh, kind of debunk this stuff. So I don't know who he is going to bring in as CEO of uh, Twitter. You see news, uh, Elon says he expects not to commit as much time to Twitter by the end of this week. For the past few weeks, Twitter has taken the lion's share of my time. I expect to reduce my time at Twitter and find somebody else to run Twitter over time. And last up today, this is peak woke derangement you have to see to believe. You know, we talk about like TDS as, uh, you know, Trump derangement syndrome. It's still affecting many in Hollywood. Now that he's decided he wants to run again, uh, I suppose there's going to be several flare ups around the world. I suppose it also depends uh, on how likely he is to win based on, you know, that will affect the, uh, the severity of the TDS relapses. However, this video from a funeral where a the daughter goes on a unhinged SJW rant uh, calling her father everything from, you know, a white supremacist, a, oppressive, to all this stuff uh, has gone viral. And it really has shown the state, the level of 
rot uh, in, in kind of these ideologues' minds. A young woman and self-described black supremacist appeared to label her own father as a bigoted Trump supporter, supporter in a vicious eulogy at his own funeral. The woman who uses they, them pronouns, of course, posted a video of the speech to the t uh, their TikTok account uh, last week in which could be seen addressing a crowded auditorium during what they call a funeral in the caption. <clears throat> Excuse me. It remains unclear whether or not the speech actually took place at their father's funeral, but the woman can be seen referring to his passing and calling him a misogynistic, xenophobic, and Trump-loving cis-straight white man. The video racked up 1.7 million views since it was posted last week, and a longer clip of the speech posted afterward has garnered another 160,000 views. The woman who goes by don't care, Sagan in the sun, I don't know, okay, characterizes themselves as a black supremacist on their TikTok, which is full of videos decrying capitalism, discussing racism, and gender fluidity. Also, this woman's father was white. I, I don't even really understand. In the video, she can be heard briefly voicing gratitude for her father before lambasting him, saying they don't miss them, him. Dad, I, you know, I, I feel like, uh, Dad, uh, know that I am grateful and highly aware of what you've done for this family, but I don't miss you. When you died, I felt like there was a hole. I missed something, but it wasn't you. It was the idea of what you could have become. I miss being able to hope and wish that one day, you would turn the corner. The woman then goes on to say that they missed hoping that their father might one day fight for the things that they believed in and that they missed their fantasy of you lambasting him for his beliefs. When you died, it solidified the fact that you'll never be what you could have been, but only what you are. And what you are is a racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, Trump-loving, cis, straight white man. Uh, this, I, I don't really understand how somebody gets to be this way. I really don't. They added that the father disrespected and disregarded the lives of entire communities. And you're everything I aspire not to be. And I refuse to stand up here and sing the praises of a man who's paradigm, who is the paradigm of white supremacy. What? I swear to God, I will make this world a better place, not at all because of you, but the exact opposition to you, they said. As they spoke to members of the crowd could be heard making shocked noises, and the applause that followed from them offstage were scattered. Many people commented their support of the daughter speaking up for what they felt about their father uh, was instead putting on a false front at the funeral. Others felt that the woman would regret their choice. Although definitely regret is not something these lunatics feel that would require having any level of like self-reflection uh, and, and like actual control. You know, I, I think it's, it's interesting um, that you would think that I, I want to show you a little bit of this clip because it is just sad. 
I mean, you see, let's see, um, let's see, Jeebus, her dad's funeral, really? Uh, she's broken. Her mother needs to write her out of the will immediately. Uh, I didn't sure she got disowned while I'm at it. No holidays or family events. Horrific, though some people will stoop in order to virtue signal. Um, it's nuts. Like, it's it's the definition of too soon. She's just mad she got fired from Twitter. Um, what? Like in this, in the last two to three years, politics have been dividing more and more families. I think we need to sit back sometimes and remember what really matters in most of our lives. It's not going to matter when you're on your, you know, your, your deathbed, what your politics are. Please know that while I'm grateful and highly aware of all that you've given this family, I still don't miss you. When you died, I felt like there was a hole. I missed something, but it wasn't you. It was the idea of what you could become. I miss being able to hope and wish that one day... There's something in here that I thought was pretty funny. So I'm not afraid to share my peace. You are everything I aspire not to be. And I refuse to stand up here and sing the praises of a man who is the paradigm of white supremacy. So I'll take your racist mindset. I'll take your money and I'll take your advice. I'll take your money. So she still takes her money from the will. You get that? I'll take, I'll take your money and I'll take your advice. And I swear to God, I will make this world a better place. So she's taking his money. At what point are we going to say that what we're seeing is rhetoric that is dehumanizing and actually encourages bad behavior? Well, yeah. <laughs> and John Rich was in here and people clapped. I don't really know why anybody clapped. It's, it was sick. Uh, I understand like if the dad was like an actual, like, you know, evil person, maybe he put his hands on them or something like that. I feel like, okay, maybe you want to exercise some demons, uh, you know, at that point, but like there, there's no real talk of, you know, outside of the fact that the dad was a alleged Trump supporter, there's really no reason for any of the, uh, insane rhetoric that's being thrown around here. At least I can't see any many people coming to their sport. Something tells me when she looks back, she's going to feel pretty crappy about bashing her dad like that is her funeral. One person pointed out that no matter what, bad the man has done in his life funerals are for people to celebrate the good quote he has family and they're sitting in the crowd watching although he was bad uh that's a funeral a funeral is a place to celebrate good parts of their life and his family wants to do that in peace another woman was uh making the funeral about a mother another person said she was making the funeral about herself well of course i had issues with my mom but couldn't make her funeral about myself because i know that funerals are for the people who are attending I, I don't even really understand how you end up so evil, so vile, uh, so entrenched in your own hate that like this is you thought this was good. Now, I can't really tell people are saying, I mean, I don't know. People are questioning whether or not this is actually at the funeral. I, I don't know. Sometimes people hold funerals in like, uh, you know, maybe it's a big church and they have like a podium up there. It's entirely possible. I can't really tell if these are pews, but like. Um, even, even so like p p p people do terrible things. Um, and, and, you know, you might want to call them out for it, but like is voting for Trump really why you think that this man doesn't deserve a second of credit, uh, a second for your respect. Um, I, I have a feeling when this kid grows up that they will definitely look back at this. It's of course, very telling as per usual that they're fine taking the man's money. Absolutely, 
pathetic. Hope you uh, were entertained by this video. And if I can, you know, offer some semblance of, uh, you know, like a silver lining here. Hopefully, you know, you see a situation here. Like, don't turn, don't be this woman. Don't, don't let yourself be this person. And by the way, like, I, I just don't see people, for example, conservatives who are like this, but I'm sure they exist. But there, I see many liberals who are like this. Like, if I, if my sister or my mother or my father were like hardcore, you know, blue haired SJWs, I, it's still your family. It's still like, you know, maybe you don't spend a bunch of time with them, but like, imagine what, you know, what this person's basically doing is celebrating his death while still taking the money and still being happy to uh, take the spotlight and post it on TikTok, by the way. They did this for TikTok. Her father died and she thought, hey, I need to get some clout off of this. Absolutely sickening and clout is a, is a, is a disease. I hope you enjoyed it again and we'll talk to you again real soon.